now, the Riverdale Carnival presents the Archie. Archie Fuzz. Okay, everybody, here we go with our new hit record, Sugar, Sugar. Hello and welcome to another episode of Milkshakes and Mimosas, the podcast formerly known as Archie Fucks. But today, we're not talking about Archie at all. We're out of Riverdale. We're out of there. We got kicked out. They don't want us back. They just booted (laughs) us out of the whole city. So we moved to the next best thing, or maybe the much better thing? Greendale, the home of Sabrina the Witch. And we are not alone for our tales of magic cats that don't talk for some reason. Oh, I was hoping you were going to talk in that voice the entire episode once no, you started it. No. no, of course not. That sounds very difficult. Very difficult. <laughs> uh, uh, so first off, we're joined by my Electric Tanners co-host and co-patriot, Jason. Hey, what's going on? Um, this is, I'm actually on to talk about a show I've seen an episode of, so it's yeah. uh, pretty interesting. He's seen two. It two is the episodes. most research you have ever done for this podcast. Mm-hmm. More work than I've ever done for this recording. Fair. That's fair. That's fair. Returning guest, who I know very well, has her own witch's brew, and that is caffeinated wine. Welcome, <laughs> Tori from Pajiba. You just reminded me I need to get some wine. <laughs> Why don't I have wine? You gotta be like Aunt Zelda. You gotta have like wine in one hand, like a smoke in the other. Like she is, she is rocking it. She is life goals. She's she got is it. Life goals. She is life goals. And dare I say, my familiar Thor. <laughs> I'm just concerned that Tori doesn't have wine now. We can obviously restart this whole thing. <laughs> But, you know, I may, like, just bounce down. I have a bottle of blueberry wine open, but it doesn't have coffee in it. <laughs> oh, it you know like... what? I think the important part is that it's wine. I think the most important part yeah. of wine is the alcohol part. You I think. can pour it I through we... a Keurig machine. <laughs> <laughs> just a combined, like, <laughs> have it just pumped directly in. Yeah. They should just mm-hmm. make those. If they could come up with a wine coffee pod. Yes. like. Oh. That, that would be dangerous. Make, that would make the workplace very dangerous. <laughs> yes. People <laughs> would smuggle him into offices across America. I love this idea. Yeah, so all of our office workers seem to be much happier about their existence lately. <laughs> I don't understand what's happening. Here's, here's what's going on in the water cooler. Uh, but <laughs> yeah. Well, Unlike so, like Riverdale, this isn't a show about people being constantly drunk at inappropriate times. Well, no, like everyone gets drunk at appropriate times for parties and for going to Dorian Gray's bar, which is just a cool thing. <laughs> uh, before we get too far into into this episode, uh, I'm curious as to what everybody's experience with Sabrina, the show or the concept of the witch is before we get too far into this newest iteration. Uh, Tori, do you have any experience with Sabrina prior to this? Um, before the first season started, I tried to read a few of the chilling adventures of Sabrina comics, but I never watched any of the like Melissa Joan Hart episodes, nothing. So I pretty much came in fresh 
straight into Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, part one. Yeah, that's good. So, that's good. Yeah. That's good. Jason, any familiarity with the greatest witch of all time? Um, yes, absolutely. I was absolutely in love with Melissa Joan Hart at that age. So I watched every fucking episode of Sabrina the Teenage Witch. And to find out it got turned into a show which I would dub as Horny Hogwarts is pretty uh, startling. But, you know, I'll, I'll get into my feelings about the show, which um, are, are, you know, relatively positive. But, you know, it was it was a little bit of a culture shock for me. I, 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 I was I was horny for Melissa Joan Hart, and now the show is horny for itself, which is way <laughs> Uh, and I did also send you some of the weirder episodes. So that's, yeah, that's uh, true. You, you I, really, I mean, to be fair, this show, at, at least like once you get into season two, there's like a consistent level of weirdness yeah. all the way through. Oh, yeah. 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 I think, yeah. I, I think I the really only cool. episode of this that plays out how I thought a show called Chilling Tales of Sabrina was going to play out was episode three, where they have Daniel Webster come and defend her. Like, that's sort of how I thought. That's what I... Yeah. Okay, you're getting ahead of yourself. Excuse what me. is your familiarity with the show? So, uh, very similar to Jason, I hadn't read any of the comics. I that when that uh, Melissa Joan Hart show came out when I was in middle school, I, I loved her from Cliff's Explains It All and was super jazzed for it and watched it until I think most of us did until it it uh, we we were no longer. Uh, in middle school, and then it apparently ran for like a thousand more years, and she was no oh, longer she a teenager. Went to college. Yeah. Oh, yeah, she went to college. She <laughs> was she, Sabrina the College Witch. Yeah. Really? And she got married <laughs> yeah. at the end of it. In the she got married to Harvey oh, in like she? the final. She was, season. she was Sabrina the unemployed grad student. Yeah. <laughs> Sabrina, the millennial witch. <laughs> um, <laughs> just so trying I, to pay your fucking <laughs> your college So tour. you never read any of the comics or anything no, like I that? I remember then, sitting there with a, you know, whatever year that show came out, like fourth grade. And I remember sitting there with a babysitter the first season it was out and me being like, yeah, this is kind of like a, like a modern take on Bewitched, right? Is that where they got the idea? And she was like very kind and she was like, no, nah, there's been like this comic that's been running for like 60 years, you dumb shit. Yeah. <laughs> wow that's that's awesome that's awesome yeah so i don't know if i've ever read any of the co- like the original comics but i've read uh the first few issues of chilling adventures of sabrina which we'll, we will eventually cover on the show as its own topic but actually i think in a lot of ways aside from art style the show actually improves on the comic a fair bit mm. uh but uh we'll, we'll kind of get into a little bit of that but um, I had watched the first two episodes of this show around its first time, the first time it came out. Wasn't a huge fan, to be honest. Um, but I think by episode three, the show really hits its stride. And then I kind of got kind of into the show a lot more. For, for the second uh, one, didn't you have to get roaringly drunk and text Sophie the entire time to get through it? <laughs> no, I didn't have to. Uh, <laughs> that was a choice. Okay. <laughs> clarification on when i watched the second episode of the show it was after we had uh so i write for bloody good horror and they had their big uh anniversary where they had they did a spooktacular where they live streamed a movie so my me and my friend sophie watched that and we got hammered and then we watched the episode so there was a reason to be hammered but we got even more hammered for the second Uh, episode well no wonder you didn't like episode two nothing could compare to the cinematic opus that is wes craven's my soul to take (laughs) oh well 
one day we'll never talk about that show ever again. <laughs> <laughs> we will drink to forget it. Uh, but yeah, so I wasn't sold on the pilot. Uh, what did everyone else think of the pilot? Uh, other than Jason, obviously, because you've only seen uh, a selection of season two. Uh, Tori, I know you've had to write about this show, but yeah. did you like it from the beginning? Um, Do you like it now? Even I, I guess we didn't even ask that question. Like, <laughs> I like it now. I think I have, honestly, and I, I, I'm struggling to remember what actually happened in the pilot because part one now feels so long ago to yeah. me. Yeah. That but one's think, like two parts. The pilot's basically split in half. Like I, I yeah. don't know if they made it as a 90-minute mini-movie in case it didn't get picked up, but which is weird because this was direct-to-series. Um, yeah. So the pilot's a really weird structure where it's all leading up to her dark baptism at the end of episode two. So the, right. fir- the first half of the pilot, the part that's technically the pilot... And what then hap- she bounces, yeah. and then it's like, and then it continues. I yeah. think what struck me was I much preferred part two to part one, and I think overall in the show, like, the secondary characters, everything else going on, I really enjoy. Sabrina, as a character, is the biggest problem with Sabrina <laughs> to yeah. me, with the show to me. Like, yeah, that's like that's, that's, you know, and and it's not the performance. It's not, you know, I think Kiernan Shipka does a, an amazing job with it. She makes the character very, I think my problem is there, there's an ego to the character. And so like every episode is like, you, you're supposed to side with her because she's the hero. And then she makes really bad decisions that no one seems to call her on <laughs> and everything ends up being fine. And and it never, that structure never changes through 20 episodes. <laughs> yeah, no, that's fascinating because I, I agree with you that a lot of the side characters really do kind of steal the show. Uh, I would say especially Lilith, uh, who's like oh, Madame yeah. Satan or like, I try to figure out exactly. She's incredible. Uh, Miss is, oh, Marvel. Uh, Miss Mar- Wardwell. Mary Wardwell, yeah, yeah. but then it's, yeah, it's Lilith, or it's, I don't think they ever actually call her Madam Satan, but, like, from the comics... Yeah, that might be from the comics. Like, in yeah. that character, they improve a lot from the comics. Oh, because, yeah. Because, like, in the comics, she's a spurred lover of Sabrina's father who kills herself by teleporting herself in with a bunch of lions that just eat her. <laughs> and then she yeah. comes back, and then she's, like, her what? teacher. And I'm like, wow, that's, like, it's not, that it just seems like... Yeah, it does seem like it's good. It seems kind of progressive, to be honest with you. Like, I think that's also the plot of the Tippy Hedron movie Roar. <laughs> no, I've seen Roar. It's just a bunch of people in a house with live lions. That movie's insane and extremely dangerous to all involved. <laughs> So um, what you're saying is the comic was inspired by Roar. Yeah. <laughs> the comic was inspired by the real-life happenings of Roar, the most terrifying movie of all time when you realize that those are actual lions yeah. in the house. It really is fucking awful. Um, yeah. So in terms of uh, Adam Satan, I'm glad you brought her up, because that was the one thing I liked about the, the, the very first pilot episode, which, like I said, is, is such a weird format. I think I might have gotten into the show more if it had just been a 90-minute first episode that ended with her her baptism because when they broke into two parts by the end i was like so is this what every episode's gonna be like where it just kind of it's like yeah a, pairing like, of two episodes yeah, or, or or just yeah exactly like 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 miami vice were like sometimes it takes us a little longer to solve the case but like you know it never goes beyond that like um 
I really um and obviously I didn't see the pilot, but um you know I watched the episode a couple episodes and I you know I I did some sampling of the show you know outside of that I just and, and I should specify some stuff. Jason was a last minute replacement we're thankful for him being on we don't want anyone don't make thinking excuses that, like, for me we don't do our um, research <laughs> don't make excuses for me. um but but I did some sampling I I had, a, I had a a poo-poo platter of Sabrina if you will I said you know I had a crab rangoon I had a man Satan I had some weird sister I had some scratch you know. Uh, an egg roll. And I would say that I, I really dig that character of Mansa in the show. Like, just the uh, moral ambiguity of how she is sort of good for Sabrina, but also sort of really bad for her and kind of teaches her some stuff. And this show does a really great job, in my opinion, of, of what I've seen of it is walking that gray moral line. And. Yeah. Um, showing some some depth in character that I never got the sense of in Riverdale. Well, and I think oh. that that's one of the interesting things that happened between part one and then going into part two was like part one, you kind of she is this sort of like ambiguous character. You can't she seems to be helping, but, you know, she's working for the Dark Lord. And you kind of don't know what her goal is. And then by part two, there's much more clarity on like what the prophecy is, what her relationship with the dark Lord and what, you know, he's promised her. It, it really is exploring. Like she's supposed to get this thing. She's now been jilted because the prophecy makes it clear that Sabrina is going to be the queen of hell. So like everything that Lilith has spent millennia serving the dark Lord for is, is for not. And, mm-hmm. and then having, and that's, and again, going back to like Sabrina being the, the worst part of Sabrina, like <laughs> in the finale, the you know the big satisfaction isn't that like sabrina defeats the dark lord because she she doesn't she screws it up nick has to come in and save the day the real like satisfying finale the climax was that lilith ends up as the queen of hell like by the end of part two it's lilith is the one who has really gone on the journey sabrina has just managed to like not end up totally evil (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Right, S- right. Sabrina didn't, for for a change, didn't propose the stupidest plan ever and right. then go through with it when everyone told her it was a bad idea right. for the first time in 20 episodes. And I, I agree with you. <laughs> That's that, growth. Uh, uh, well, I, another part that I think really fleshes that – sorry sorry to cut you off there, Thor. Just no, while ahead. we're on the topic – well, all the topic of uh, Lilith. I, I really – now, I haven't – completely i think i have four episodes of season two left feel free to spoil you feel have no, spoil. no no no, no. I, <laughs> this is I your show spoil. andrew <laughs> i know we're i know. exclusively talk about the finale <laughs> i know we can exclusively talk about the finale <clears throat> no spoilers are fine but i like that the man that came into her life he was just a good dude right they don't make him evil do they, they no i don't okay cool because i thought that was just a fascinating character dynamic that she has like somebody who comes back in her life who's just a good dude and like when you're watching series like sabrina or or like if this is a riverdale episode that dude would eat babies like there would be (laughs) something about that dude that would be like instantly evil right where like this show is actually like no this is just a good dude who is just in this like very bizarre relationship now that she has like stolen the identity of somebody that he used to love right so well i mean 
Sorry, go ahead. Well, no, and it, it, it all does have that point of like, you know, he's there for a purpose. The purpose is not that it will be a plot twist of like, oh, God, he's evil. You know, it, it is that it's propping up. It's giving her the, the chance to see what it's like to be worshipped as opposed to being the one who is constantly doing the worshipping. So right. it's like giving her that non-toxic relationship of yeah. this guy who's like, oh, you don't want to get married? No problem. I love you. You know, it's yeah. like it's it's so sweet. And then, of course, there is a twist, but it has nothing. It doesn't like re write yeah. him well now i wouldn't right. say it's so much a twist as just inevitable unfortunately yeah. um oh but, yeah he's he I'm, I'm sure he bites it and i'm sure he yeah. bites it in a, in a disappointing but, way yeah like i'm sure well, like the the dark lord like gores him in his horns and goes i will live deliciously oh yeah only. i mean dark lord dark lord kills him but then it the the payoff for that is she decides and it and it's kind of a pointless thing like it, it doesn't work but my favorite part is like her reaction to like Adam dying is her like turning around and making her own essentially like Gollum like you know bad guy like her you know a minion out of him but she like moonshines him in a tub using her own rib yeah oh so she takes like a bunch of straw puts it in a body puts it in the bathtub (laughs) sticks her own rib in it and then like he he rises and she names him Adam (laughs) see that's amazing because Again, like the the her love interest was named Adam the whole time, right? Right. And yeah, I think and so his skull, because the Dark Lord gives her her his head. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense because that's again, that's all like super biblical and like super yeah. fascinating, yeah. right? Because yeah. the idea Lilith, that right? Lilith it's was Lilith, yeah, yeah. <laughs> was supposed to be the like original uh, wife of Adam, and then like at, they got. She got spurned and kicked out, and then she, like, went with the devil, put the horns up, and went, yeah! But turns out, <laughs> when it's so happy, like, some rock evil metal song, turns out the Dark Lord is just another toxic relationship waiting to happen. <laughs> uh, but uh, <clears throat> the idea that a man comes in her life named Adam is nice to her and is, like, and then she revives him, makes him evil, but using the rib Right, yeah. like the the rib imagery of like if of how Eve was made and like that kind of stuff, right? So yeah, that's all that's all fascinating. That's all so fascinating. By the way, this is all a fantastic prompt. Uh, you know, this is a fantastic premise for like a two-hour romantic comedy that I would watch the shit out of. <laughs> yes, <laughs> like Adam evil demon taking over a woman and the guy just like refusing to break up with her and just being like the best dude ever Aww. in her thing. That's a fucking amazing. I would watch the shit out of that. Yeah. Uh, no, that, I mean, it was- hey, Renee, throw it together. <laughs> no, I demand Michelle Gomez stays okay, in yeah, it because cool. she makes it so good. Yeah, yes. she makes it so good. She, I, you know, again, when we're talking about uh, her, and we're also talking about we we brought up uh, Aunt uh, Aunt Zelda before we really kind of were talking, and Aunt Hilda as well. Like they both they both fit into this. It allows to have normal looking older adults, right? Like and like and like these adults, like they can still be like sexy and they have sex and they like have and they still have appeal, but like they're not. Again, I, this podcast is all about Riverdale, right? Usually, yeah. So, like, when we and Riverdale is just like all the dads, they be sexy. All the moms equally <laughs> sexy. Yeah. You know what? That cat probably sexy. <laughs> like they just choose everything to just make it sexy. Oh, the bus driver, oh, he banging. Like they just. <laughs> every, and regardless every, of what the character is, the person playing them is like. 
between 28 and 34. It's like a yeah. four-year-old, 28-year-old's playing him. If it's yeah. nine, 28-year-old's playing him. <laughs> um, <laughs> just put streaks on. in. It's fine. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and I do want to mention, so Lucy Davis definitely has the less meaty role since uh, she's often just uh, Zelda's foil. But uh, Lucy Davis was, uh, she's been in a ton of stuff, but I, I first uh, knew her as uh, Etta Candy from Wonder Woman. And, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I love her in Shot of the Dead. She is yeah. amazing yeah. in Shot of the Dead. She yeah. is so good. And, and like, again, by episode three, I think all of those relationships in the house are really working at their fullest extent. And, again, you're right. Uh, Sabrina is kind of the weak link. Yeah. For a yeah. while, I thought the weak link, and I still kind of think he's boring, is Harvey. Like the oh, show, no, really, sucks. they really try to make Harvey interesting, but I'm just like, this dude is bland. And then a warlock dude comes by, and I'm like, this dude has access to a bar. Yeah, an absence bar. Yeah, like an amazing bar, and he's all like, yeah, I will uh, pose as your dead dad to fuck up this wedding because I believe in you. And then Harvey's all like. Uh, I live in a mine, and sometimes <laughs> I, I throw football good. Like, it's yeah. terrible. So no, great. I mean, Harvey, I think in part two, it was like they kind of realized that he was the weak link, and I think the most satisfying thing for me was that, like, she didn't get back together with him. It yes. was never, like, yeah. their relationship wasn't the end game, and I liked Harvey so yeah. much more when the yeah. romance wasn't being sh- – I'm like, you want to date Roz? Go for it. You guys are adorable. I just don't need the, like, Sabrina's idiocy and Harvey's idiocy being completely different, but just, like, banging off of each yeah. other because they're both giant fucking idiots. Yeah, like, to me, the, 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 the worst example of that was the uh, when they sort of inexplicably took um, the plot of Pet Cemetery and the plot of the Superman uh, – like, uh, returns comics where Superman's dad helps him come back to life, and yeah. that whole sequence was just, um, you know, at the end at the end of season one when you were talking about the, the sort of consequence free mistakes she gets to make, you know, because yeah. at the at first I was like, oh, that's good that like she fucked up and like everyone knows she fucked up and she wasn't able to fix it, but then this is the end of the season and then we just get to Christmas and it's like, oh yeah, okay, cool, sorry, sorry, I killed your brother twice. <laughs> Yeah, like, yeah, the consequence was, like, her friends were a little bit upset with her for a bit. And, like, yeah. her, her, you know, Ambrose, like, chided her. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I also love her solution is, like, yo, your dad has a drinking problem? Bam, here's a magic no more wanting to drinky potion. And also, like, if I found out somebody gave me that potion, I'd be like, couldn't you just give me, like, a you drink a moderate amount and have a good time potion? Yeah. Like, come on. Yeah. Why is it all so- or nothing? Or- <laughs> <laughs> makes him go cold turkey and you're like oh damn how's he gonna get through the tough nights now yeah that town seems real boring yeah oh yeah yeah. and like they only have one place they have like the schools the house the mortuary house and then you know dr the cerberus's book at bookstore which like again flash cafe i I love (laughs) flash cafe i love the setting and i like the look of the place but how would that how would that business thrive in today's economy in a in a place like that? Like, well, is it's it, the oh, only place in town. I guess if that, so. I if guess that place like a, existed in my town, I would personally. I would be, live there. Yeah, I would yeah. live there too. I'd be the one subsidizing. I I love. I love that cake. 
Yeah, the cape is great. I love the owner of that establishment. Oh, yes. He is so lovely. I like that his dark secret is that he's kind of, like, werewolfy, right? Like, he's like... Like, they have... Their sex demon looks like a werewolf, and it's completely separate from the other wolf in that episode. (laughs) Like, yeah. There are two wolves. Neither of them are werewolves. One of them is a sex demon, and Hilda's like... And that is actually, I will say, like, going back to Hilda, like... I thought she was a weaker, like, I loved the character, but she was always kind of, like, not yeah. as important. But I do think in part two, she kind of comes into her own. A, she she gets her, bo- she, you know, solves the sex demon issue and, like, gets her groove on with her, her boyfriend, and they're great, and she can, like, unlock him when she wants and everything. Mm, and then the scene so where she um, kills Shirley Jackson, the witch that keeps, like, you know, punking Zelda, and she, you know, she just kind of comes in and it's like, yeah, everyone thinks Zelda is the dominant one. But like, you know, I will do anything for my family. And she's like secretly poisoned the way, you know, like that was so great. You just realize well, there's a core of steel in her. Yeah, there's that there's a great sequence uh, in the episode where the witch hunters show up, which like, again, those witch hunters. So good. I, oh, my Jason. Gosh. If you watch another episode, you should definitely watch one of the Witch Hunters episode. Because I, I, I put that on my my, my tasting they, menu for him. I, I said I said Mormons, but they shoot witches with crossbows. Well, I'm yeah, tell you right like, now, I, I think I plan on going back and watching all of this show um, oh, because yeah. I, I, thought, I felt like it was uh, definitely worth my time. I want to say that the the Doctor Cerberus like. I couldn't help but feel like that actor. I thought that actor was uh, Taika Waititi at first. Me too. Exactly Me too. Like, and he's wearing a cape. I'm like, are we doing what? What? What are we do in the shadows right now? Like, what is going on? But I was in. I was in on it. I will well, say that... the show also does keep like the on the nose references uh, <laughs> that Riverdale yeah. has a little yeah. bit. Well, yeah. But some, some, like Shirley Jackson, the witch. I mean. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. Oh yeah. But, oh yeah. But I'm 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 down for it. Like, but also, like, the, you know, talking about guest stars, like, it has, so you've got two people from Battlestar Galactica in the in part one, because you've got Gaeta, mm-hmm. uh, the Doctor Server, and, and then you've got Michael Hogan, who is Colonel Ty, plays the grandfather of Harvey. Um, oh. You also had Bronson Pinchot as the principal. What? Yes. Uh, yeah, in part one. Then in part two, you've got the Antipope, played by by Ray Wise, Leland frickin' Palmer, (laughs) which was just like, he walked in and I'm like, I don't even care. You were the best part of the season just because you're here. (laughs) I lost my mind. I was so happy. I was like, one, I like, when they were going up there, like, the anti-pope, but I was like, really? There's an anti-pope? Okay, like, I guess this is Sabrina Silly. And then Ray Wise walked in and I was like, oh, praise (laughs) the himself, the Dark Lord, (laughs) good pope. And how many times has that guy played somebody demonic, satanic, Whatever, like, like he literally plays the devil on that show Reaper, like yeah. right, like the like, <laughs> Reaper. Well, and, uh, I have to ask though, what does the anti pope do all day long? Masturbate more? I think he's just sex positive. Like I think he's just yeah. like a cool, he's a cool, chill dude. He's like, yo, I'll see these proposals to make the place like. The anti-pope in the show shows up to receive a proposal from Lord Blackthorn, and like. But then Sabrina goes, well, my father wrote a different proposal. You right. should check this out. And it's the grossest looking proposal I've ever, like, 
Because it had to be taken from, like, the bottom of the ocean. And she uh, didn't photocopy uh, the damn thing for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Transcribe it. Come on. Don't give him the LG-covered one. <laughs> Ironically, the uh, anti-pulp exposes pedophilia, so that's a good thing. <laughs> yes. Well, no, yes. but also, yes. the way he describes all the students, it's all words like, oh, they're so supple. Or, like, <laughs> it's the creepy. He's, like, walking through a high school. And, like, I get that they're all witches, and they literally have like a woods orgy every year the uh-huh. thing where i was oh man yes yeah, i've seen that episode yeah. oh yeah okay we need to spend like an hour talking about the fucking sex orgy okay. episode of this show oh, dude, <laughs> oh, yeah. it was just like it's such a weird weird place for the show to go and i was like this this seems like they had they were guest the Riverdale uh, writers guest starred on this yeah. episode. They just like, yeah. it's like broke into the room, shackled all of the people to like the uh, radiators or something, and it was like you can bring one line or one reference. <laughs> Otherwise, us write about sex orgies. Okay? Yeah. No, they, they threw all the real writers of the show in the dungeon set from this show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But I will say, so, like, you know, if it was Riverdale, I imagine, I don't know, but I'm going based entirely off of what you guys have told me about Riverdale. They would have just had the Valentine's Day episode, there would have been a dance, and halfway through, everyone would have been drunk and naked. And maybe (laughs) there would have been, like, a flying baby. Here, they actually set up the episode where, like, everyone is supposed to go into the woods and fuck. And Sabrina still doesn't lose her virginity. She turns around with her hot, orgy-having boyfriend (laughs) and takes him to a Valentine's Day dance where she stares at her ex-boyfriend's new girlfriend, who is her best friend, while dancing 15 feet away from each other. Like, you couldn't have gone to opposite sides of the basketball court that you're dancing in. Well, they they couldn't have because... Right, like it's, it's it's very wholesome for like a show about like demonic possession and witches yeah. and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, like There's this is of... not the show that the sex is happening on Riverdale. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I have some. I actually have some some questions about that in a little yes. bit. But um, I I um that episode in particular, like I is the first episode I watched of the show. Um, so for you guys, I think it was probably jarring. For me, this is like the introduction for me of what all these characters are. And I could kind of just sense that this wasn't the status quo for the show anyways. And I didn't have inside information necessarily on that. I just felt like you were saying, like, there's something more behind this than just gratuitous, like, orgy wood stuff. Because it doesn't really – it doesn't really lean into it. It leans into the tone. And it kind of works for me. It kind of worked for me. Like, it didn't It didn't feel gratuitous. It didn't feel like it was just about how – look how sexy these women are. It was more about the characters and how they interact in that environment for Sabrina where it's kind of like a culture shock for her. So I kind of was in on it. Oh, man. Sabrina has so many culture shocks. My favorite which is kind of, of which... what the show is, right? It's fish out yeah. of water, right? Yeah. Like, it's – um, but, so, but, like, but let me just clarify the the best culture shock part is when they just reveal like, oh yeah, we just eat a witch. Yes. we just eat a witch yes. like yeah. every year. As you we do. just we win a draw. One of us gets eaten. You know, it's actually yeah. an honor. We just get chilled and pampered for a week, and then we get eaten. It's got a dope yeah. actually. But um, my question about this episode though is like, oh, she's sorry. she's with her friend. Um, yes. and her friend, and she's like, oh, and, and I guess her friend's asking about, like, dating her ex-boyfriend, right? In, mm-hmm. Right? So that whole thing is going on. She's like, no, I actually have a new boyfriend. His name is Scratch. And she's like, that sounds super hot. Does it really? 
Scratch does not sound super hot. Well, I, I think this that show sounds like has... a dog's name, and I know that Scratch is like a thing for the devil, like old Scratch. Yeah, yeah his stuff. name is literally but, Nicholas Scratch. Yeah, yeah, but like his name is Nick. But she's like does not in on that. Like his name is Nicholas Scratch. That sounds super hot. I, I, really, I think that's almost supposed actually... to go back to the like S and M undercurrents of the show, like because you have um uh aunt uh. Hilda's like sort of she she almost has a literal like you know s- slave bracelet she has to put on her lover to keep him from you know under control and, so, and, yeah. the, and the relationship with uh, Bla- it is Blackthorn right I mean, uh, Blackwood Blackwood Uh-oh. because yeah, they had Blackwood. to have the word wood in the dude's name oh yeah well a fucking but like but, but Scratch like, is like a Hilda. really Scratch is like a really old school name for the devil, like right. old Scratch. So yeah. I'm assuming that's what that's like yeah. referencing, right? Yeah. Like is that is that dude there because Mam Satan like hooks them up? Is that kind of how that goes? No, that's kind of my feeling. Be, at that. least, no. at least from what I saw, he was just a dude. Like he just, yeah. well, he, okay, I think he really he was, dug Sabrina and just hung out. He was a red herring, I think. Like like you were supposed to kind of expect. Because obviously, given his name, like he would yeah. probably be. But yeah, in the end of the season, you kind of discover that like he really did like Sabrina. He really did like fall in love with her. Um, oh but no, he had been... the word did. Uh oh. Well, no, 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 Uh-oh. no. But but he also the reveal was that uh, the Dark Lord. So the the Dark Lord will come to the you know the the witches or or warlocks or whoever has pledged signed their name in their you know in his book signed signed their uh, soul away um and he can give them devotion so so tasks that they have to perform and he had asked Nicholas to essentially um hook up with Sabrina and 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 try to make sure that she follows the dark lord mm. path so he liked her before that but uh, but then he got involved with her because the dark Lord made him. And so in the end she, it's like, she finds out she's been betrayed, but he's like, no, I didn't mean to. And, and like, still helps her. It's like a whole, yeah. It's like, so, so it's, like so it's kind of like, like 10 things I hate about you, where he <laughs> to be with her, but he really falls in love with her along yeah. the way. Exactly. Awesome. Yeah. Can, we, uh, can we briefly <laughs> talk about how good some of the practical effects are in that show? Yeah. Like um, the dark Lord, whenever he shows up, like, he's like a physical presence. Like you get to see like a full goat head. He's got these beautiful horns. He's got these like lips that like go like, yeah, 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 my goat lord. And, and like, he's got like this great booming voice. And like, I don't know. I would have just, I would have expected the show to just have some like CGI thing or like have him be like a human. Right. Cause like right. almost every time in media, when they want to show the devil, they like always make him like some debonair fellow with a like wine glass and like I'm here to tempt you. <laughs> but like in this one is just like I'm the Dark Lord from all those metal albums. <laughs> and he's just there to like possess you. But like then some of his so like the great effects are and then like some of the lines he delivers are amazing. There's one line where he shows up to Sabrina and it's like steal a pack of gum. And then he just goes away. And, like, <laughs> and the whole thing to get her on the evil path is yes. to just have her steal a piece of cup. Yeah. And, and like, then even of... there, she's like, well, I don't know if I should. It's like, oh, my God, Sabrina. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, get him off of your back. Like, she causes yeah. all of – like, she almost, he almost kills her fami- – he almost kills Salem because she refused to steal a pack yeah. of gum. Yeah. Like, she's and fair. the whole time you're like, on the one hand, I get it. You know, you got to start saying no to the devil sometime. But on the other hand, 
He's he's like threatening everyone around you because you won't steal the bubblicious. Go steal the bubblicious. Yes, exactly. Um, so, Andrew, I want to mention when you were talking how you, about how that's how you put Cerberus books out of business. Tori. <laughs> every, every, every witch in town, because there are a ton of them. <laughs> Andrew, when you were the Dark Lord's like, I just really want that copy of Metamorphosis. Just go get it for me. <laughs> I don't want to pay for it. Come on. When you were talking about how good the practical effects look, I think another thing is this this show has some of the best lighting I've seen on TV ever, oh, pretty yeah. much. And yeah. I was looking it up because I was trying to figure out why the lighting on this is so good. And I still have no idea why. I don't know. Because I looked it up. The, the main director of cinematographer for this is a guy named uh, Brandon – I'm going to butcher this last name because I butcher everything um, – Ugama. Um, and – I, it, there's nothing particularly, you know, that I'm standing out from. He, he directs a lot of TV shows and TV movies on here. But the the thing he's most recently done is he's done uh, cinematography for 23 episodes of Riverdale, which does <laughs> not have impressive cinematography. <laughs> oh, wow. That's, so, That's what happens uh, when you have that Netflix fuck you money. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, like, so. I... Yeah. Either that or, like, that, uh, I guess, like, the CW doesn't have, like, a weird mandate, right? Like, I wonder if, like, being on the CW for Riverdale, they're just like, everyone must be sexy, and they must be well-lit and fuckable at all times. <laughs> I refuse to have anything else again. We gotta yeah. shoot this whole thing like it's a Vidal Sassoon ad, guys. <laughs> they blow all of their, like, set budget on just, like, you know, no, everyone must be waxed. All <laughs> oh, my God, yes! <laughs> They um, blow all their uh, budget on wax. Yeah. yeah. I like that you yeah. haven't watched this show. I know you're 100% correct that you're every like third episode right. is KJ Appa <laughs> with his shirt off with his, like, 16-pack. <laughs> well, that and that's the airbrushing. Like, it's all, all of the money on everything goes on to the actors, not the surroundings. <laughs> Meanwhile, yeah. fucking Baxter High apparently has a working fireplace in its library. Yes! Because in the Valentine's episode, Sabrina mm-hmm. takes Nick to make out. I'm like... What high school like has a yeah. fireplace that's on? Yeah. And then when he's making fun of like how <laughs> shitty their library is versus theirs, and I'm just like, really? Because like this is as the greatest you sit library. on your divan in front of a fireplace. <laughs> Meanwhile, in my high school, the fucking heating itself didn't even work, so I'm not sure <laughs> on the fireplace. All of my all of my teachers were evil, and they weren't service of the Dark Lord. So I don't know what happened. They were just normal evil. Uh, that that was really impressive. Can you imagine being um, a, Can you imagine being part of that fucking teachers union when you're not getting paid basically fucking minimum wage, and they have a working fireplace? And like, <laughs> like, you, Madam Saint, like, can I get some? Can I get some insurance, have... please? Got like some medical yeah. insurance. To take care of my Lil- kids. Lilith just shows up, and she's like, "Put another fireplace in." You know, it's <laughs> getting trap here. I need to feed my children. Yeah. Fucking crazy. You can cook in the fireplace. Um, <laughs> Speaking of the effects, um, one of the uh, – I saw the anthology episode, we, um, you know, and where, where the – you know, this weird lady shows up and just does tarot card readings for all the kids. Um, and the middle – the second story um, where um, the, the transgender character basically steals some magical potion stuff to um you know go through the transformation um instantly there's a scene where he like starts growing freaking limbs made out of wood and it looks incredible first of all it looks incredible and then there's a scene where he 
they take him out to like this woodsman's fucking shed and he comes out with an axe and just the imagery of it and how it was lit and how it was set literally gave me chills. Like it was fucking incredible. So, yeah. you know, that's the moment I was like, I'm all in on the show. I'm definitely yeah. going back and watching all this because I thought it looked incredible. Yeah. Sp- speaking of while we're speaking of behind the scenes, people, um, I, there was a great episode. I believe it was season one. That was directed by Rachel Talalay, who, if you're a Nightmare on Elm Street fan, you would know, directed Freddy's Dead, one of the uh, not very well-renowned films in the franchise. How dare you? But she, but she did uh, hey, uh, produce I love it. 4 and 5. Or 4. I she did Freddy's produce Dead. 4 and 5. I do love four, Freddy's well, Dead. But it's, it's nothing compared to this. The, the, the episode that she directs here, you really get to see how she is like a very talented director. Uh, well, because she does... Oh, sorry. Oh, I was going to say, she's been doing a whole ton of Doctor Who episodes lately. Yes. And she did um, Tank Girl, probably the most underrated book movie. That's true. That's true. I love Rachel Talalay, so I love just seeing her show up on a show. Uh, And it it was great because the villain that was showing up was, like, the minor, like, the diseased-looking minor who would, like, show up. And he, like... Yeah, yes. and, actually, and he showed up, and he had like kind of like a Freddy look to him. <laughs> like he kind of had a Freddy Krueger look and style, and in a way that was really creepy. And it was awesome to just see Rachel Talalay get to to click in with that. Um, I wonder if um, Rachel Talalay got in at all because um, the teacher who I Lila uh, Michelle Gomez, the actress Michelle yeah. Gomez, was actually played the master. She was like a female version Missy. of the master on Doctor Who. Yeah, Missy, yeah. And uh, I wonder if, because Rachel Talley does so many Doctor Who, they were like, oh, bring Rachel down. Like, yeah, yeah. and, and Rachel princess. directed the uh, one of the, the stronger directed episodes of uh, Riverdale earlier this season. Yeah, but we don't really want to. We're <laughs> complimenting her right now. We're, we're going up on, yeah. we're trying to lift yeah. her up, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but I mean, that, that, that was like the only time any of the stupid gargoyle stuff in Riverdale was effective, the scene of all them breaking into the house. So she's, which is actually similar to this episode, because this was one of, like, the the great part about this this Sabrina show is objectively the plot developments that happen are other nonsense, even by, like, a magical show's standards. Like, a lot of times it it doesn't really make sense that they, when, when I talked about the, the beginning where I was like, oh, is this how it's going to be? Like, they just keep introducing weird stuff that gets resolved. That kind of was how it was, though. Like, we had this awesome overarching thing, but then the, the Rachel Talladay episode, it's just randomly The Exorcist for an hour. And they yeah. even have, like, even the other characters in it seem to be confused as to why this movie is happening within their show. Because they're all like, oh yeah, witches can't perform exorcisms. That's just not a thing. You wouldn't be able to help at all. And then Lilith shows up and is like, don't worry guys, I got this. Here's the one thing you can do to make this relevant to the show. Like, yeah, and and the payoff again comes at the end of part two, but you don't know that. So the whole time it's just this sort of weird X-Files where it's like a case of the yeah. week thing that often has nothing to do with witches. Yeah. And then by the end, you realize, oh, no, you know, Miss, uh, now I'm going to call her Missy Lilith is, you know, leading Sabrina through all of these, um, you know, uh, perversions of, you know, Jesus's miracles or whatever. So, like, there's a reason why these specific things have to happen, like the weird mandrake clone baby yes. like, <laughs> like all of this stuff. But but you're right. Like when you're just in the middle of it, it's kind of like this. 
none this is all just so strange like yeah. <laughs> I, I i'm i'm actually really impressed that they they tie it all together at the end like where they tie a lot of this stuff together and wrap it up where like yeah. again i get, riverdale again is the touchstone of this it seems <laughs> like every season of riverdale they have no idea what's going on <laughs> just, just throw stuff in stuff. They just throw things at the wall. That writer's room must be, like, mostly cocaine because just people, like, go, <laughs> and there's jingle jangle and a gargoyle and a floating baby and a little line. Where this mm-hmm. show, they're just, like, they had, they had, like, a glass of wine. They all sat around and were, like, yes, I do believe there is a certain thematic relevance to this event yeah. occurring. So- and, like, they actually seem like they... They planned things out, and they actually thought about the future yeah. of the show. Which I guess, I guess, also, again, that might be due to the network, right? Because knowing you're yeah. on Netflix, you probably are guaranteed a certain amount of seasons. They were are. when the show was picked up; they were guaranteed it was 20 episodes. So you already knew part one and part two oh. in its entirety was happening. And it and okay. by the time the uh, midwinter episode aired. Um, so before the rest of part two launched, they had already confirmed it for a part three and four. So, so I think like that's part of it. The show very easily could have been edited so that there was nothing. It could have ended on the finale without, you know, and all they would have had to do was cut the scene where it's like, and we'll go to hell to save Nick. Like if they cut that, the show could have been complete if it hadn't been renewed. So, but yeah, going into, they were able to plan a full 20 episode arc and like, the show is like let's i mean it's blunt as hell it all wrapped yeah. up but let's let's you know some of the stuff that they wrapped up was yeah. you know how do we make this thing more satany yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah like look I, I will admit i we have talked about a lot of, a lot of praise for the show i yeah. would like to kind of have our eric of the grievances part of this festivus um before we do that can we do one okay. thing just while oh, talking can... about how crazy um as much as everything tied in and it's all witchy and stuff like that, one of the nicest things to hit the point about the transgender character, Theo, oh, yes, um, sure. you know, because I think that that storyline was something that came um, was really well done in a show that is not subtle. Well, and you know, and it wasn't like there was a little, there were a few moments where I was a little worried it was going to turn into this weird other like orbital, very special storyline yeah. that yeah. tied in and really felt like something separate. And the light touch that they gave it, especially in part two, where you've got um, Theo, you know, comes out to, her, uh, to his friends, to his family, has that storyline in the anthology episode, kind of looking at the worries and, and how much what he would be willing to go through um, to become the person and, and realizing who that is. And then just is accepted and is and, and is who he is and, and it has accepted himself and the community accepts him. And in the end, he is just you know, his his storyline is not entirely about his his transition. His storyline in the end is, you know, he he lays the runes that stop the door from hell opening like his, he is a courageous hero, not because, you know, his storyline yeah. amounts more than that in a way that I was really happy to see. Um, yeah, and- for sure. Like, honestly, like I'm trying to think of another show that has done a transgender storyline this well. Uh, at least not, uh, off the top of my head, I can't really think. Maybe Orange is the New Black? Maybe? 
That's true. Orange is the New Black has done ha, did do a lot with that. Yeah. Um, but I agree. Like, um, one of the few episodes I saw was him confronting his father and like just declaring, um, you know how he felt, and it was just, it, you know, that that moment could have been incredibly overdone and melodramatic, yeah. and it really wasn't. Like, it was yeah. just him declaring, "This is what I need as a human being." And yeah. it was his father was even like, um wasn't just even like really like a hateful asshole he just didn't understand yeah. and the way that they come to the conclusion on that um and maybe maybe that gets ruined down the line i have no idea when we saw that episode but um maybe the father becomes an asshole i don't know but like he, no, it, it just it just plays out um not over the top and yeah. just just a great moment a human moment in yeah. a show that's about yeah. the fucking and, devil and i and i really appreciated that yeah and there's there's also there's this really nice moment when sabrina first kind of like comes it back into the school after being away for a while and she is having trouble like she does occasionally like misgender theo and like dead name dead name him and <clears throat> the the show has like like theo has like is very sympathetic and like is very forthwith and like working with them right like yeah he's like no 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 just call me theo now and then she apologizes and goes oh sorry i just i've been out yeah. of it for so long like i i haven't yeah. been able to like focus yeah. and i thought they did all of that very like subtly like even with the dad right like the dad was coming from a place of not understanding and then like oh well, having expectations it, of what his life was going to be like but not you know you know yeah, and that's kind of what parenting yeah. is like anyway is as you you know, or trying to make your children something that they, you know, and trying to realize them as real human beings is a difficult transition anyway. So and, it's and just a really I, great, really great moment. And tying some of those like a uh, very concrete because it wasn't just like, you know, scene with dramatic conversation, scene with dramatic right. conversation. It was it, right. there were there were these, mo- you know, with the father, it kind of ends on like, you know, you don't have to understand everything, but will you take me to get a haircut? Or, you know, with Harvey, like getting ready for the dance. There's a moment where Harvey's showing Theo how to tie a tie. Like there's bonding moments that are very Uh, concrete and and aren't overdone. It's just sort of like this is his life now. And people are are taking part of it in the in the ways that they can and they understand and they'll all be building on it together. The only Uh, part of this that I felt like got a little too saccharine and I, 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 I hate to sort of say that because it is it is it is it's nice to have characters appreciate theo but i I didn't feel like it felt earned was the the dumb jock character that's just brutally harassing him when he falls down the stairs and then comes back on crutches and is is being super nice to him and the explanation is that it's because he fell down the stairs and (sighs) well because i think he he also got um in part one he was ragging on uh, at that point Susie. A lot. And so there was like that character, there was like a, it, that was like a two part arc of like bullying. And but you get what I mean is I don't get yeah, why it just, was, it was I don't get like, why fall, like I, I want, when he starts explaining why he's being nice to him now, I was like, oh, this is going to be a really interesting issue because I think they had a scene where uh, Hilda revealed some sort of traumatic stuff about him. I can't remember whether he was the one that had been molested or he was the one that was, uh, something had, was, yeah. had homosexual thoughts, but either way, there was something going on in his brain. So I was waiting for him to be like, you know, not to like admit 
to Theo, oh yeah, you know, I have my own shit I'm dealing with, like, just, but just to at least say, oh, I have my own shit I'm dealing with, you know, but instead he's just like, ever since I fell down the stairs, I've been trying to be nicer to people, I just didn't quite. It was, I think it was a cheap, in some ways it was a cheap way to wrap it up, but there was one thing I appreciated about it was that it did undercut um, your expectation, like, you know, for a satisfying way to, to wrap that up, you would expect that character to have come to a realization about why bullying is wrong, and he doesn't. It is a purely selfish thing. The more I harass you, the more I get injured. So, like, I'm backing off for my own, essentially, you know, and it's like he plays it off with a laugh, but it really is a self-preservation move. And there was a certain selfishness to that that I was like, I buy that. Oh, That's not you. the turn I would have expected ever. And it's not at all a satisfying or good one. Yeah. But it, it, it ended it, and it was believable. Oh, no, thank you. I actually, I totally misunderstood that. Thank you. I, I When I said I didn't get why he stopped, I guess it's because I literally didn't get why he stopped. I didn't get that he was saying he felt like it was karma, basically. I, I yeah. did not understand that. Thank you. I'm, no. I'm, I'm no, glad uh, we're talking about this, because uh, <laughs> this, show, this show aimed at 13-year-olds is too sophisticated for me. <laughs> well, okay. I, I would honestly, like... That's it. Before we do uh, briefly talk about some of the negatives, because of course yeah, there sorry. are negatives. Uh, no, 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 no. You, that that was great and necessary. God, Tori, how dare you say good things about us? How how dare you enlighten this podcast with more than just terrible I'm just, jokes? I'm sorry, just glad. Uh, speaking of terrible jokes, I'm just glad that um, <laughs> this show wraps anything up because nobody wraps anything up in Riverdale. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, and he is, of course, You're talking, talking about, about penises. Yes. Uh, I was going to say loose plot threads, of course. That's what he's talking about. Oh, indubitably. Penises, guys. Our new intro from now on is just the soundbite of Tori saying you're talking about penises. <laughs> oh, no. Free, feel free to repurpose yes. that anytime you're talking about Riverdale. <laughs> Um, I'm, I'm genuinely interested, who is the target audience for this show? Because you'd think teenagers, but they have a Daniel, a Devil and Daniel Webster reference, which, like, is, well, is pretty, is pretty deep, uh, Andrew, deep they, you know, they, do they I have one point, you that, that Riverdale has a John Paul Sartre fucking reference in it? <laughs> okay, okay, look, Sartre, and, and Leopold Sartre. in Loeb Prison. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Leopold in Love Prison. Okay, okay, fair. It's always been a weird, weird zone in this franchise. Uh, but the other one that, like, I even missed, I had to have someone tell me, apparently the choir, the choir song that they sing is one of the songs written by Charles Manson. Like, they oh used a God. Manson song no. for their choir. Wait, was it, yeah. was it, cease, was it cease to Resist? <laughs> I I don't I don't know. I am head, but... disturbed that you know a fucking Charles Manson song off the no, top of your head. I had no no no. I had somebody else who was close no, to me in my life told me that, and then I became concerned because I know this person, and I was like, yeah. Why do you know this? No, I think he was worried that I just was like, Oh, was it ceased? Yes, that's that, I was, yeah. Um, that was oh, the song. Sorry. That was the. <laughs> I am concerned about you. That was the <laughs> song that one of the Beach Boys stole from Charles Manson yeah. and recorded and didn't credit Charles Manson. So Charles Manson showed up at his house and just started, like, cutting his own hand. And he's like, if I'll do this to myself, imagine what I'll do to your family. Yeah, Charles Manson. <sighs> not a good man. 
Steven's a good cool dude. Loosen it, don't do drugs. I mean, hot well, take. What would, what hot would you take. say? <laughs> Are you saying stealing a song from someone is not worse than murdering a lot of people? Is that what you're you're drawing a hard uh, line here? No, it's. Let's yeah. talk about the negatives. Let's go. Uh, Sorry, I just uh, watched The Haunting of Sharon Tate for a review, oh, so I would be like... Oh, the oh, Hillary Duff? Like, the Hillary yes, Duff one? Yeah. Uh, yeah. How was that? How was that, by the way? I mean, if you want to watch a movie about the, you know, Manson family killing Sharon Tate, only it it's about her not getting killed... <laughs> Wait, wait, I thought it was a ghost. Like, she's not a ghost? She just hides? No, well... well Spoiler okay. alert! Sorry, okay. um, the sheet. We're, we're about to spoil the haunting of Sharon Tate. So the whole movie is about how Sharon Tate is having uh, premonitions about the massacre in the days leading up to it. So is able to anticipate it. She and her friends kill the people that come in. So it's like, so she's haunted oh. by the vision. Then, got it. Good. Then, in the very, very last scene, as the bodies are coming, like the cops are there, the bodies of the Manson family are getting pulled out of the house. She looks under the sheets and realizes it actually is her and her friends. So you've been watching. So the haunting of Sharon Tate is actually Sharon Tate's ghost, imagining like so. It's all because the whole because in many very obvious blunt scenes where Sher- Hillary Duff has to talk about like, but do you think we can ever like change our fate? <laughs> like things just like set in stone. Can we ever like <laughs> just? I have to say this movie sounds worse than Charles Manson. <laughs> <laughs> but but it is. Thing because because what I didn't know because I'd never really studied that much about it but the whole thing about that the house being like the reason why he targeted that house was because it had been it was the music producer and Mm -hmm. he like yeah so there's all this creepy stuff with with Charles Manson music playing on a reel to reel and that's why like as you're talking about this I'm just like she's not dead is she (laughs) (laughs) and then and then at the end that one Wilson brother comes in and steals the reel to reel and he's like yoink. (laughs) <laughs> I wish they all could be California girls. <laughs> Wouldn't it be nice if this tape went missing? <laughs> Anyways, um, yeah, my jokes are about as blunt and uh, sour as some of the parts I like less about this show, and that is. Sorry? Sorry. <laughs> I'm gonna take this song to Kokomo. <laughs> <laughs> that was so stupid. I loved it so much. Oh, well. My work uh, is done here. Yeah, that's fair. I, I, this show, Sabrina, not the haunting of Sharon Tate. Although that does kind of sound interesting, but that may be my Hillary Duff bias because let's let's not lie, Lizzie McGuire is a staple of the true. If there's like she is the Pope to the anti-Pope, but not the Pope. That, <laughs> I mean, she she is no Ray Wise, but That's I see true. what you're saying. She's no Ray Wise. She is like the opposite of Ray Wise in many <laughs> many ways, um, including singing. I bet you Ray Wise probably could sing better. But anyways, I, <laughs> I do not. Love that everything has to be the inverse of Christianity. 
Which, like, so, like, if you know anything about just, like, traditional Satanism, there's, like, a whole, like, Christianity, there's a whole bunch of sects of Satanism. Um, the most common one you see now is more, like, social Satanism, which is, like, do as thou wealth within the whole of the law. And that usually involves them just, like, doing good things. Like, there is, uh, there's a story about Satanism, like, there's a Satanic temple that, uh, there was like a woman in the state in the Amer- in the states, of course. Sorry, y'all. That's your country. Uh, <laughs> was uh, due to a like religious law uh, and like very restrictive abortion, uh, like an abortion law. She wasn't allowed to get an abortion, so she used the satanic temple she became a member of the satanic temple and used their religious rights laws against the state so then she could have the abortion and like so things like that where uh the, that's kind of what the satanic temple does now yeah they're, they're not really as much yeah that's like, uh levainism right yeah but that also makes sense you know when you think about because they're already mashing together i mean the whole premise of witches being satanic is already like that is that old school fear that got witches, you know, so yeah. that that was which, um, which is not like most, you know, witches are usually like Wiccan. It has nothing to do with. So, Satan yeah, this was anyway. this is what I was hinting at before that I really wanted to ask you guys have seen um, a lot more of this show to me. Like, is this like trying to like slide some Christianity in here about like witches being brides the devil kind of thing is that like what the show's trying to say because like it's 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 almost literal brides of the devil yeah yeah so yeah in the show sorry i'm saying in the show not not to offend any wicked listeners wow wow danny wow Wow. you just lost all your wiccan (laughs) every actress on the show is married to the devil literally Well, uh, I just, what I was I, gonna say is, is it's, it's. I think that the show's main message is more of like that, like this organization has like a lot of similar problems to the church, right? Like, because like I think, because like a bureaucracy, I think it's a bureaucracy, and I think what Sabrina is kind of doing and is trying to like make it a lot more like equal, right? Like it's literally introducing feminism. To, it's like introducing feminism to early Christianity, right? Like it's like because like the for for whatever reason Satanism appears to be uh, a few steps back in the civil rights uh, areas. Well, for which some... is what I'm kind of trying to say. Like as you just pointed out, like the opposite is the truth, right? Like it's right. And, you know and, what and I mean? again, like, not, not for all. Like there are like again there are course, like super yeah. old school satanic temples who are just like we are the Satan and we're boring. Uh, <laughs> Uh, when when you talk about the, the the sort of exhausting, how it's sometimes exhausting, how they need to make everything the opposite of uh, Catholicism, uh, Tori, what was your thoughts on the, when, when they're, they're straight up doing the, you know, the puns on, like, you know, every, everything having to be, uh, you oh, know, like, oh, he- or like, you know, because yeah. yeah, there's a lot of stuff where, like, normally we would say hell and they just say heaven or, yeah. like, those puns or the fact that, like, they turn Sabrina into not even the Antichrist. She's just, like, witch Jesus. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, all so of it. I, I think I was, I, I think I was, I would personally was on board with the puns and it was fun, too, how you'd see, like, if it was something that was, like, like you said, if it was something that was bad, then sometimes you'd see them reference like, uh, you know, uh, like it was, it was like you, 
I forget, I forget when they did it, but it was something where you you would say you devil and they said you saint or something, you know? So those yeah, ones I liked. Yeah, it was all like, yeah, instead of yeah. like go to hell, it was go to heaven or something. Exactly, yeah. yeah. But what did you, yeah. uh, what what did you think of the the straight up, the like they were talking, like you were talking about, the, the way they tie the whole season together is the perversions of the, of the acts of uh, Jesus on earth? I mean, at that point... I, I mean, the fact that they could wrap up all of it, even if it was to use that, I was just sort of like, oh, oh, yeah. By the time she had an actual crown of thorns on her head, I was just kind of like, oh, they're just doing it. Like, yeah. the, you know, it was just so balls out that I was kind of like, yeah. fine. Yes. OK. I've, I love for that scene that Harvey's reference is not Jesus. Harvey Harvey comes by and is like, Wow. You went like the Dark Phoenix in the yes. X Men comics. Yes, like she's wearing a crown of thorns. Yes, I mean, yes. I probably. I mean, honestly, like honestly, I probably would have made the same reference. I'd be yes. like, man, <laughs> Sabrina, you're pulling a real Jean Grey move there, and they'd be like, Jesus, guys, like not, Jesus, yeah. you're not getting this. You're not getting this. Look at look at where we are. This is basically a church. Who's the guy on the other side? Yeah, <laughs> well, the fact that in that scene, so that, so there's like the it's the missionaries episode, and like it ends with so the missionaries are taking the witches and they're trying to either convert them or if they won't convert, they just kill them. And so they kill Sabrina. She comes back to life with white eyes and the crown on her head, and she's floating with like fire in her hands, and she gets the missionaries who turn out to be actual angels. So these are not. <laughs> These are not humans who are like, witches are bad. They're fucking angels. (laughs) Which Jesus wakes up and makes the angels convert and pledge themselves to Satan. Do you think season uh, four's finale is going to be her fighting God? Oh, I hope so. I hope it's like I hope it's like a boxing match between the Dark Lord and God, and then like Sabrina's like That's bullshit, amazing. Dark Lord. I'm gonna be the one in this boxing match, and it's just like a boxing match. I hope so. I mean, like it's just that I think, and that's where I think the show. While sometimes it's like you know, it's very obvious. It's like you know, kind of a. a we're going to take this one, you know, normal religious concept and we'll just flip it. And it's in some ways, it's just it's easy math. But on the other hand, like the way the show makes it work is just by being so consistent and over the top yeah. with it. They just kind of like, yeah, OK. <laughs> I think you're right. The fact that the show sort of embraces its tone is what makes yeah. it work so yeah. well. And so, yeah, I actually did like the idea of it being her, uh, you know, perversions of the miracles of Jesus. I liked that. And, and as you said, I think it was amazing they were able to tie in all the random shit that happened this season. The thing that I was critical of was that sometimes she didn't actually pervert his miracles. Like when she just heals Ross's eyes... They're like, and healing the blind. And I'm like, so wouldn't she have had to have blinded someone? Wouldn't that be the opposite of healing the blind? Yeah. Yeah. She just takes out her eyes. She's like, Roska. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because that's a really good point. Although I wonder if the fact that Roz was blind because of a witch's curse. Yeah, that might might work. It may be like she's not, she, she was, she had to remove the curse. I don't know. I mean, look, this was not exactly perfect. Her, like, so the final one, like, the one that, like, opens, that, like, lets Lucifer come in his, like, angelic form on Earth, like, the final perversion was supposed to be the inverse of, um, 
Jesus sacrificing himself for the good of humanity. So that apparently instead of letting other people kill you is to just kill yourself is <laughs> shows. And so rather than living selfishly, which to me would be the opposite of sacrifice, right. the show is like, no, the opposite of sacrifice is suicide, but they don't have her kill herself. Ooh. They have her kill the mandrake baby. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and so they, oh, okay. See, I would have loved if she would, if she went like full hedonism bot from like Futurama, <laughs> and she's just, like sitting on like a, a palisade, just like being, more, more grapes, please. <laughs> Archie and Jughead from Riverdale are feeding her grapes. Yeah, the fucking <laughs> the, the goat, the goat from the witch shows up and is asking her if she wants to live deliciously, and then it's Satan shows up and he's like, "Fuck you! There's only room for one goat in this town." Too many goats. This town ain't big enough for the both of us. Oh my god! And then if it all ended in a goat fight, I would have been. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Season four. This is actually the end of the rom com we were pitching. Yes, <laughs> but no, season fight. four. God is a goat as well. He's just a white goat. <laughs> Satan's a black goat. Goat fight. Oh my god! And I somehow would they fit in a, a few more non werewolf wolves, like just <laughs> giant wolves as well. <laughs> Hi, um, I'm a, a man from the top and a wolf at the bottom. Uh, I'm a wolf man. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, so, so, Tori, for... I'm a wolf wear. Uh, thank you for bringing up the fact that there were so many wolves, of, like, wolf humans in this that weren't wolves, because I hadn't thought about that. And, um, yeah, that's... Um, the the Valentine's Day episode, which is, is good, so we can, we can ask Jason about this. Um, Jason, so you, you watched... I watched this show way too fast. I got super into it. I was I was um, mm-hmm. home with minor surgery anyway, so I was just sitting there like couldn't really move around. It was just like, hell yeah, like my notes. I was trying to read over my notes to see if there's anything I should discuss, and they're just like a fever dream. Like I have something here that just says like, um, ah, close trying on montage. Good idea. <laughs> and then it says, second fucking closing trying on montage. Too much <laughs> close trying on montage. And I'm just like, I have a lot of thoughts about the close trying on montage. But she's also Wonder Woman. She, she just yes. like spins and her clothes change. But it's not even that one. I'm talking about the beginning of season two, a, a scene that I think happens for one second, and I have like a paragraph about it. Um, but uh, so, Jason, for the uh, Nicholas Scratches, like werewolf, like I don't know, mo- like uh, mother-in-law or whatever. Like, did you understand what the fuck was going on with that character? Because I was all no. thumbs there. Well, I, I thought they said it was his familiar, wasn't it? It was. Yeah. So yeah. it was like his familiar gone awry, kind of, and he could like banish it away. But I don't know. I mean, I I, did I really happened. understand what the fuck was going on? Uh, nah, not really. Yeah. Biggest, no, criticism, makes... biggest criticism of the show Salem doesn't talk. The crow doesn't <laughs> talk. There's all these familiars, none of them talk. And yeah. even though they're clearly having a conversation, like she, she's clearly like, Salem, what horrible language. Meow. <laughs> it's like Salem. I can't murder all of these people. Meow. It's kind of she understands. Like, it's yeah, it's cute. Yeah, well, it's kind of cute that they but, understand. But, I, but here's I, another thing: the inconsistency on the the familiars. So like Salem is just a cat. Yeah. Um, Ambrose gets the mouse, just a mouse. There are crows. Everyone has like not in, so a not all the witches seem to have familiars. The ones that do have normal animals. You've got the one the witch with the frog. Nicholas Scratch has a giant wolf woman that yes. wears a dress. <laughs> awesome. It's not even like he has a wolf. Fucking awesome. <laughs> like, he, why does he get the, like, anthropomorphized yeah. one? 
the rules of familiars seem to be the thing they were haziest on because uh, Hilda's familiars are all the spiders. And I don't get how she can have infinite familiars. Yeah, she has a lot of spiders. That's right. They do throw that all and the spiders all at that her one familiar. Witch. And they're all her familiar. I really Maybe wish it's I'm... just like one really talented spider, but you think yeah. it's a bunch of spiders? <laughs> that good. Which spiders are a hive mind? <laughs> yeah, maybe. Maybe they're just like, you know what? Spiders are so small. Uh, ten spiders equals one familiar. What do you want? I'm a familiar salesman. That would be great. I want to see that. I want that to be a character. You're just telling people familiars. Look, that lady, she's wearing a wolf dress. Uh, she could also turn into a wolf. She's your familiar. Go, go, go. <laughs> what does it take to get me into this, to get you into this familiar by sundown today? We got some great sales on the familiars today. Oh, I'm sorry about the rust coating that comes on the familiars at the factory. <laughs> <laughs> two level familiars for the price of one. You get two crows. Here you go. <laughs> Oh, so that should be what we what we end on in a few minutes is everyone say what animal they're familiar with. I guess animal or fucking oh. weird-ass mythical beast because there are no fucking rules. Your right. familiar oh could gosh. be a koi fish or Cthulhu. Yeah. <laughs> I really do think it's a missed opportunity. Yes, exactly. I really do think it's a missed opportunity for Salem not to be like a caddy asshole like he was on the show. Like yeah. Yeah, in the I original love. show. Like can you imagine if Salem was just hanging out, sharpening his claws, being like, Spray, these bitches ain't shit. I mean, like, that'd they, be amazing. They also tease it a lot, because I kept, I kept thinking that, like, we'd think get it's gonna more of... Well, I kept thinking we'd get more of Salem, because there would be these scenes where they're like, you know, go to Dorian Gray's, take Salem with you. Like, she would bring the cat, yeah. and then the cat would do nothing. Yeah. And I think that was what me up. I was like, you know, other than meowing occasionally, the cat really didn't do anything. Yeah, yeah the, the problem with that is the actress who plays Sabrina is allergic to cats, so they couldn't have really? uh, they couldn't have them both in a lot is of that true? scenes. Make a yeah, cat yeah. puppet. It's a, it's, there's cat I mean, puppets. There Make are cat, cat puppets, puppet. but like uh, just and sent like, Salem on his own adventures to help her. Yes. Yes. Scenes. yes. I mean, so that would be amazing. Just have like see what I like about Salem in like a, a chilling adventures of Sabrina. He's like an older man. Like, yeah. he's just, like, some dude who's like, yeah, I got yeah. cursed. That's fucking like, stuck in this dumb it. cat body. I hate this so much. <laughs> All this dumb teen drama. He's, like, over it. He's like, just give me a good glass of milk. All oh, this milk is sour. Like, what the hell is this? You guys suck. And then I was like, chill out, cat, okay? Like, just like, chill. Calm down. I'm, calm down. I'm signing a petition right now for Andrew to voice <laughs> fucking Salem. And it, it would just be take clips on the shit he says during the day, because I'm sure that just fits right in. With whatever we actually wanted to say about other people, drop it right in, dump it right over. This milk is sour. You're not drinking milk. <laughs> wow, this cat talks a lot about the show Riverdale a lot. <laughs> the cat just occasionally is like ranting in the other room. You can just hear it muffled through a wall. It's like all these characters. What's the gargoyle? Yes. Oh, man. So, yeah, I guess we've got quite a bit of uh, talk out of the show, Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. Uh, for a final, we'll go around the horn to see, get any final thoughts of the show. And 
what would your familiar be? Oh, and also, did you, your town have a tornado siren? Because I just moved to the Midwest, and I didn't, like, they have this in the show, and, like, the, the big tornado siren goes off, and I honestly just thought that was a thing in movies until, like, last month when I was in uh, a suburb of Chicago during the day, and the, the tornado siren went off, and I was, like, freaking out. I was like, what the fuck's this? And everyone was like, you've lived here for five years. How have you not heard a tornado siren yet? <laughs> I have no idea. Yes, I believe they are. They are real things. Yes. Yeah. But does do any of you you have any sort of like air raid style sirens in your town? No. I barely have people in my town. <laughs> <laughs> I live on the side of a mountain. <laughs> like I can't even see my neighbors. Like I, I don't even have cell reception. They need to hook up some cell phone towers before they worry about raid sirens. <laughs> Okay, okay. And uh, Jason, do you have any tornadoes that are coming into your neck of the woods? Well, maybe. I don't have any sirens to warn me, so maybe there's one right in my backyard. I don't know. Oh, let's look out that window. What's that? It's a tornado. Okay. (laughs) Thor, final thoughts, and what would your familiar be? Uh, So my final thoughts are that I was shocked how much I got into this show. The The characters are really... It's it's ridiculous shit with pretty realistic characters. I, I agree with Tori that I'm, I'm hoping they have Sabrina either have everyone around her more pissed about her fuck-ups next season or have her fuck-up less. Because um, I'm okay with having a flawed central character. Um, and we didn't even mention Ambrose is my fucking favorite part of the show. That's basically just, like, what I want to be when I grow up is under house arrest and, you know, banging everyone of both sexes. Um, <laughs> with a, and a, a variety of bathrobes. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, I, I guess my... My my familiar, so I, I think I think I'll pick like a you know like a, a regular animal because that's you know like something you can find around, and then I'll pick like weird ass things since those are the two options you get in this world. So okay, like, okay. Like regular animal, I think I, I think I'd want to pick a um a, a, a the the bluefin uh, fish that uh, Dory is in uh, Finding Nemo because uh, I'm pretty ADHD, so I think me and the familiar would get along really well. If we both were just like constantly changing our attention and being like, "Oh, what the fuck's that over there?" We'd be, we'd be terrible at getting magic done together, but we, we'd have a great time. We'd <laughs> and if I um, was going to have a uh, weird ass animal, um, it would be specifically the animated dragon from Pete's Dragon. That's just like <laughs> a dragon, but he looks like no one was trying very hard when he made him. <laughs> Okay, so uh, Dory and a dragon that someone didn't take too uh, much effort in creating. Which I just realized are both Disney characters now that I said it, which was a (laughs) weird reach. (laughs) Yeah, well, Disney does have a lot of talking animals, so like, I guess it kind of fits. Oh, and you're right, that's the other thing, is mine would fucking talk. (laughs) Yeah, 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 mine would talk. Uh, Jason, final thoughts and familiar. Familiar, uh... Uh, Jigglypuff. Um, I would just sit in a room with Jigglypuff and we'd just smoke a giant blunt. And I'd just pass the Jigglypuff and I'd be like, hit that shit, Jigglypuff. And be like, ah, oh, this is some good shit. And that, that's what would happen. So, that, what else are you going to do with a familiar? Right? What? Um, what? Jigglypuff? It's not a blunt. Is what? like the least high Pokemon. I can, exactly I can write right. you like a list. 
Anyways, okay. <laughs> Andrews put some thought into the Pokemon and I the drug analogies. Is my point. Um, my final thoughts on the show is like this show. I think you asked before who's the show for, and like obviously as a near forty year old man, um, the show is not made for me. But that's totally a good thing. Like, I. Every fucking thing is made for me in my demographic, right? Like, even new things that are made are remade from my fucking childhood so I can relive <laughs> my childhood. So I really appreciate what this show does, and I'm definitely going to go back and rewatch all of it because I think it does – it fits a unique um, niche that I don't think – I think Riverdale misses completely but is also trying to aim for. But this show kind of fits directly where it wants to, and I can't wait to kind of just experience it for what it is and appreciate it. So – Okay, okay. We're going to juggly puff, puff, pass it on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you get Bravo! Bravo! Final thoughts, and if she has a familiar, she would. Uh, all right. Um, final thoughts. Uh, one thing we didn't touch on was um, the school system in Greendale is absolutely terrible, oh and there's no yes, way that Sabrina can like be half enrolled in two different institutions and not get busted. <laughs> Um, that really bothered me when she's just like, oh, I guess I'll just like go to regular high school now. Like, what? <laughs> they don't have time to check on this stuff. All their budgets and fireplaces. There's no truancy officers. Note. She said she, she got permission from Lilith to be gone for three weeks. And then she just shows back up and she's just taking classes with all the other children. <laughs> and then she just like goes back to the academy when something happens at school. Like, it, yeah. Um, also, the fact that what I'm most looking forward to next season when they come back is the pairing, as you mentioned, with uh, uh, Ambrose and Prudence. They're like Father Blackwood hunting mission. Uh, yeah. I'm very much looking forward to. I'm glad those two, uh, their storyline individually was a little rough this uh, in part two, but I'm I'm glad they kind of found each other because they're both incredibly pretty and and I like seeing them with weapons. So yeah. that I'm looking forward to. Um, for familiars, uh, I would probably say, you know, I'm gonna go with uh, Chocobo if I'm gonna go ridiculous. Nice. I want a Chocobo. Wow. I want to be able to ride a giant freaking bird um and then, but if i had a real real life one it would probably be like a koala which i am obsessed with because koalas are like the worst animals <laughs> just think about how much gonorrhea that koala bear could give you <laughs> like just like go go fucking spread that gonorrhea <laughs> baby and they can spread oh, it to who found that out? Who found that out and were they arrested? Who found out that? No, no, no. No, Andrew, that's the terrifying part. It's they can give you chlamydia from their face touching your face. You give a koala an adorable hug and their face gives you chlamydia. Yeah, Oh, but what? that's and that's not even the most like they're so creepy. They have two thumbs. The male ones have like weird, gross glands that they rub on trees. And <laughs> they okay, they're they're so dumb. They sleep okay. They're kind of okay. It's a little aspirational because they sleep like eighteen to twenty hours a day. I've studied. I really like. Hate. I love koalas, but I hate them as well. Okay, they sleep. For 18 to 20 hours a day, which is kind of a life goal, but the <laughs> they can't be awake very long is because they only eat eucalyptus, and eucalyptus is a terrible nutrient source. So they're ev like evolution failed. 
they only eat this one thing that is both like not nutritious and incredibly hard to digest. And of the like 200 or whatever varieties on in Australia, they only eat like 20 of them. So they can't even eat yeah. all of the eucalyptus. And, and doesn't it have a, a mild yeah. narcotic effect on them too, because they eat so much of it? Yeah. So they have to sleep in the trees and they have to like put it in their mouth and fall asleep so that their sal- their saliva starts digesting it. And then when they wake up, they can finish chewing it and have like that blast of energy to go eat more. Ladies and, and gentlemen, thank you, for, uh, they thank you for listening it. to the Koala <laughs> Facts Podcast. <laughs> I love koalas. Wait, wait, wait. We, interrupted, we interrupted Tori. Well, you had one more fact about koalas. Oh, yes. When, they, when they're like angry and fight, like they're – the noises that they make, they sound sometimes like trumpets and sometimes like very angry babies. <laughs> next time, next time I hear an angry baby, I'm going to be like, who brought the fucking koala on this plane? Get it away from me. Get it away. Oh my God. I need koala protection. A great familiar. Because you could just send them off to do your bidding and they wouldn't do it very well and you could only have them do it like four hours a day. But... If you really wanted to annoy the shit out of someone and or give them chlamydia, you're all right. <laughs> I love that you picked the shittiest animal on earth. This really is so fucking great. It's so creepy. That's, uh, that's amazing. Uh, I guess uh, my final thoughts, which we'll never be able to match up with that, that but what I'm getting thrown here with the koalas. Uh, I uh, I definitely enjoyed this show, and I would recommend watching it. I think it's like it's it's very YA, but it's like re- it's a well written YA in that it actually has relatable characters to human beings. Like again, we talk about this a lot on our other show, Electric Terrace, because we watched uh, Vampire Diaries, and everyone on that show was an Adonis. So, like, actual people watching it can't relate to the characters, right? Like, so, like, if you're a teenager right now, you Speak can watch yourself. this. Sh- okay, yeah. Sorry, Mom's here to echo these. Um, but I, uh, I just like how this is a show about teenagers that have characters that kind of look like normal, real people, real mm-hmm. teenagers. Yeah. And they go through very interesting arcs. And it also has the magic-y, satan shit, right? Like, and it also has, like, a lot of deep dive weird things going on so i really like that uh for my familiars uh i guess if i was just gonna like choose like just like a normal normal animal probably like a sloth just like something slow (laughs) that way like if it tries to betray me it takes a long time you know sloths. i don't trust my own familiar but like imagine those like claws like imagine like all of a sudden it gets like a burst of speed Bam! Decapitate <laughs> you. Think, you think this sloth is slow? Bam! It's my familiar. Bam! You ain't got no head anymore. And, and sloths are slow, but they're they're very polite. Um, they the way their metabolism oh, works, it's, it's very Aww. very slow. So they obviously because they're the sloths, but their metabolism is very very slow. They only have to use the bathroom once a week for um uh, the uh, fecal uh, expulsion. So, but sloths do not. <laughs> Somehow you tried to make that polite and it was somehow way fucking gross. <laughs> you are not a sloth. Yeah. Right. So, I'm sorry. So I'm you, so the, for the, for the, for sloths, um, they, it, even though they live up in the canopy, they, they do the arduous, very long journey down to the ground to do their business every time. All sloths do that. So that they don't accidentally, you know, uh, poop on uh, beans below them. It's very polite of them. 
We, well, we that's, that that's very good. And then if I, if I was going to have a fantasy one, I just want, like, James McAvoy, Mr. Tumnus. Like, from oh. the Narnia movie. Like, for the first Narnia movie, just Mr. Tumnus being like, hey, I've got you a little bit of snack here. Yes, I'm Mr. Tumnus. And he's like, oh, thanks, Mr. Tumnus. Let's just go hang out, watch a movie or something. <laughs> oh, yeah, hang out. Like, it'd be fun just hanging out with Mr. Tumnus. So, uh, yeah. So, on that note, let's get our... Wait, wait, Mr. Tumnus has goat legs. He's the third goat in the fucking goat battle royale. Oh, Oh, Mr. Tumnus shows up. Oh, poor Mr. Tumnus. He'll be strangling them with his scarf and stuff. (laughs) (laughs) I'll give you a Turkish delight. (laughs) That's amazing. Amazing. Um, So with the murderous exploits of Mr. Tumnus, our time in Greendale has come to an end. And we didn't talk about Community once, so I guess I I watched the wrong show to study about Greendale, you know? No Deans, no Britta, no Abed, all Sabrina. Uh, so Spectre, Space Time. That's what we should have said she oh, started. Oh, that's great. She was okay. the villain I'll of I'll leave that on the end. I'll leave that as the very last thing as you say in Inspector Space Time. That's what we should have said. No, no, no. We gotta let everyone pitch. We gotta let oh. everyone pitch their on. Oh, sorry. We gotta pitch their work. I thought you, you wrapped it up. I'm sorry. It's no. not like you wrapped it up. <laughs> I, was, I was in the process of wrapping up, and then I was gonna be like, and if we could get any plugs that anyone wants to say, Jason, <laughs> where can we find you at? And then Thor's like, fuck that. <laughs> Don't worry, I didn't stop recording. Oh, you didn't stop recording. Okay, okay. So all Uh, this is staying in, by the way. All this is staying in. I can... God, if they listen to the last episode, I can... Anyways. Uh, (laughs) Jason, where can we find more of your work on this World Wide Web? Yeah, well, occasionally, um, you know, I write something for Bloody Good Horror, so you can definitely go to bloodygoodhorror.com. Andrew and I and Sophie uh, and Luke have a... A podcast of uh, on Bloody Good Horse Patreon, Behold an Electric Terror. So you can check us out there. You can check us out on Twitter at an Electric Terror, or send us an email if you want. So that's what we got going on. Perfect, perfect. Uh, Thor, where could we find more of your learnings on the uh, internet? Thor's Hour of Thunder podcast. So uh, type those words into wherever you find podcasts. We're the only thunder based podcast so it's pretty easy to find um, I, t- I sincerely <laughs> doubt that it's a weather podcast I'm, yeah, I was gonna say, I'm pretty sure the weather network is like yeah some thunder <laughs> right. well if, if you type <laughs> Thor's hour of thunder we're all that comes up um, but uh, and uh, also um, be sure to patronize your local library the more things you check out the better their funding is okay that's yeah I'm, well that's fucking a good Al, plug. Al Al Roker just listened to that and was like, you motherfucker, I have an hour-long podcast where I talk about the weather every fucking week. <laughs> but does he mention the library at the end? No, he doesn't. Just saying. Well, I guess, I guess, and I guess the library does tie into my, my very ill-conceived Twitter handle for the podcast is Library O Congress, which was, <laughs> which was created as a dumb joke. Nine years ago, when li- when the actual Library of Congress announced they were going to back up every tweet, which they did until just like two years ago, they have these giant terabyte hard drives with every tweet everyone ever sent from to- from the beginning of Twitter until 2017. Jesus Christ, that's depressing. I hope. Oh, yep. All right. Uh, 
and Hori. Where can um, we find more of your works? Uh, you can, uh, I write for a website called pajiba.com, so you can always find me there. I do uh, movie reviews and TV show recaps and things like that. I've written about Sabrina, even. Um, and I currently, <laughs> I just wrote about 911, so I have range. <laughs> <laughs> It's it's Amazing. so weird when I read your nine one one reviews because I know nothing about that show. I just really like your writing style. So, like, just last week's episode, I was like, "Oh, Jennifer Love Hewitt's on this show. Who knew?" <laughs> yeah, no. There's, uh, most of the people who comment on it are like, "Yeah, we haven't even seen it. We just read the recap." And I'm like, "That's kind of all you need." <laughs> and I don't mean because of my writing. I just mean like the show is just a, a parade of ridiculous things and you can kind of just condense it in a bullet point form and you get all the information. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. It probably sums it up much better than when we talk about Riverdale because we just lose it. Like everyone on the podcast <laughs> just goes into momentary insanity. Like somebody mm-hmm. took our incubus wings off and since the show is all sex, we just become monsters and go rah. What I will say is 911. So the whole premise was originally that the emergencies on it would be based on actual viral, like, things that happen. Oh, okay. Which means you can research them, but that doesn't make them any less batshit crazy. So, like, there was one episode where a dude has a six foot tapeworm crawling out of his ass, or another episode where, like, five women go into labor during (laughs) a yoga class, which is like, my personal nightmare is being <laughs> yoga? yoga next to someone doing yoga. <laughs> yoga where someone goes into labor. Yeah, I have yeah. to say, I really want to watch this fucking show now. <laughs> yeah, and you, and uh, you, you haven't even mentioned Freeway for... Shark. Oh my god, yeah, no, they, yeah, uh, an episode, uh, a couple episodes back, they managed to reference both Face Off and Sharknado. In an episode, like there's a facelift that goes bad where the face is falling off and then a shark gets dropped on the freeway and attacks a guy. (laughs) Created for me personally? (laughs) So it's Ryan Murphy and the showrunner is Tim Minear. And it's insane. I'm watching the show. (laughs) I'll let you know how I feel about it. That's amazing. Spoiler, I'm going to love it. That's that's gonna be your next topic pick for Electric Terror is whatever the most oh, yes. horror filled episode of this Probably. fucking thing is. I weigh shark. You will definitely love it when you find out that one of the main characters, played by Peter Krauss, is a fireman who burned who apparently used to be a drug addict and lit his own apartment building on fire, murdering his family. <laughs> he's one of the good guys on the show. <laughs> They no longer really reference the fact that he killed his own family in a fire. What? Well, uh, that was another episode of Milkshakes and Mimosas. Thank you for joining us. I hope you learned all about the mysterious ways of koalas and the very odd plot of the TV show 911. And until next time, Trash Fires gotta burn. This has been a Milkshakes and Mimosas podcast. Email us at milkshakesandmimosas at gmail.com and follow us on Twitter at mpodcastm. And until next time, trash fire's gonna burn.